What's going on, guys? Michael here, 360 Digital Closing Bell, here on this beautiful, well, if you're listening to this Friday, April 24th, 2020, we are live recording this here, April 23rd, Thursday afternoon, to get you caught up to date with everything that happened in oil and gas this week. We call it our weekly energy look back podcast. I am joined live as well from the executive producer of the show. And, and publisher of oil and gas 360.com Stuart Turley. He's from, he's coming to us from Dallas. Stu, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. I am whipped. It was a very busy week. Sure. Appreciate everything you've done. And we had some great interviews and we got some greater ones coming out next week. Oh, we, yeah, I am super tired this week. Actually. I had to drink. I had to go above my normal coffee level to get up for this show, but we really do have a great show lined up. We're going to highlight negative pricing and really what that means for a bunch of different players in the oil industry. We're obviously going to look back at the week back in energy trading and news. Stu's got some great stuff from the international news desk. As always, we'll check the levels, check how the EIA did. I got my shorts eaten on a trade there. Again, we'll look at the picks of the week and we will let you guys get out of here. So a quick, quick show for you guys. But before we get into it, I need to do some clerical work. Please, if you're not subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, please stop the plot, pause this show. If you're on YouTube, great, pause. Just make sure you're subscribed to this show. We really appreciate all the love we've had. I mean, I can't tell you about the number of uh, people who've reached out to me and said that not only they've loved the content, but given their constructive criticism and topics for us to cover, and I couldn't appreciate it more. Follow Intercom on Twitter, at Intercom. LinkedIn, Oil and Gas 360 and Intercom. Connect with me and Stu, Michael Tanner, Stuart Turley on LinkedIn. We've got a host of new interviews that we're dropping. We just record some really, uh, really cool ones both today and yesterday. We will be dropping, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this and you'll be listening to this on Friday, you should be hearing 10X Technologies, which is probably the best special to come accused corporation that's going on right now. They're out of Pittsburgh. We sat down with the president, Miguel Pena, me and Stu did, and really, you know, walked us through both what his, their technologies do from a nano clear side. And then also we, he got us into um, some more case studies and it was, I, I don't know about you, but I learned a lot from that one. That was where you just sat back and just watched him teach. Oh, absolutely. He was very good. I really enjoyed the time with him. No, it was really good. So we're excited for you guys to watch that when you can check out all of those interviews at oilandgas360.com. And I want to just dive in now and shift gears into this negative pricing. And, and, and I think the best way to talk about negative pricing and what that means is sort of to give an overview of actually what in the heck that means, how prices can go negative. And then what I want to do is just, okay, so what, what does this mean for multiple different players? Because like, like, that's really what I like to do on this podcast is, you know, everyone can read the news, but I think a lot of people want to know, well, what next? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for the EMP company? What does that mean for the midstream company, our mineral owners, traders, who all? So that's really what I want to do. And when we talk about negative pricing and to be honest with you, the best way to find out what happened with this negative pricing is actually check out this article by a friend of the show, David Forsberg. He's the managing partner of Ascent Energy Ventures, who's, who is a energy tech venture fund that is focused on energy tech. He's a former trader with loads of experience in physical and actually trading both oil and gas. And he was actually running an equities uh, fund that was both long, short, which was really, really cool. So he wrote an article on LinkedIn called How Prices Can Go Negative. That doesn't make sense. And really what he does is he lays out exactly why contracts can actually go negative and I'll try to do a decent chance of overviewing it right now. Basically what happens is this. Let's say for example, Stu enters into a contract with me to buy 500 barrels and it's for 15 days from now. Well, in between those 15 days when Stu has to take delivery of this barrel of oil, all of a sudden his access to storage goes to zero 
And that's okay because he's still got a couple days, a couple days to figure it out. But as we got closer and closer to the settlement date, Stu's now beginning to freak out a little bit that he doesn't have anywhere to store this. And on Tuesday, he has to take delivery of a thousand barrels of oil. Well, come Monday, when he either has to agree to take storage or sell the contract, the only way he can sell the contract is to pay somebody to take it off his hands. And that's basically what happens. You, there was no storage available. And so people who were stuck holding these contracts but did not want to take physical delivery of this oil, well, they just were unfortunately stuck with having to literally pay people and to take their oil. And, and oil settled at negative 37.63 for the May 2020 contract. Unbelievable. Now, what he also points out in the article is that by that point, the majority of the day trading volume had moved over into the June 2020 contract. People who day trade like me, who are not looking to take physical inventory, watch the volume levels very closely because I want to trade contracts that are most liquid because it allows me to do exactly what I'm preaching, get in and out of stuff quickly. I don't want to be stuck taking delivery of, uh, of you know, 10,000 barrels of oil. I saw really what you should do if you, want to, if you want to know, if you want to get a great laugh, go on hashtag OOTT on Twitter some of the best memes about taking delivery of oil I've ever seen. You got pictures of guys filling up their bathtubs. You got guys digging ditches out in their backyards, pretending to try to, I was getting a crack out of it. So all that is to say negative pricing. It's a function of the financial market. That's a little quirk that happens. No prices aren't necessarily negative for producers because there's always refining and marketing companies. As he points out in this article, Really, they only for a couple days, you know, the, the, you know, there was also negative pricing. So basically, when we look forward, this is probably going to happen once more um, come April 21st, or excuse me, not April 21st, May 19th. That's the next settlement date. So um, on that date, the June contract will roll over into the July contract. And unless something has happened with demand between now and then, which, you know, I mean, Stu, we've been doing this show for five weeks now, and it seems like we started it a lifetime ago. So that's basically five weeks from now when this contract rolls over for four weeks. Who knows what the landscape's going to look like, you know? Uh, it's, it is absolutely crazy. So I, we're going to keep negative pricing on our radar specifically for next month. But is this something you have to worry about? Yes and no. And, and, and really what I think is helpful to go through is, okay, so there's parties here that, what does this mean for everybody? You know, we have EMP companies, we have master limited partnerships, which we would talk about our midstream companies and companies who operate in that midstream space. Um, we have mineral owners, we have traders, and then we have investors. I think those are the five categories of people involved with the energy business and how this affects them. For EMP companies, A, you're probably getting, you know, specifically in this article that, that, that David Forsberg, he says he's spoken to a number of producers who are receiving less than $10 a barrel for their production in February and March. You're, I mean, they're shutting in wells. And what that also has to mean is any EMPs with three-way callers, most of those floors were set at 25 bucks. Oh, no. Talk about a three-way caller disaster that happens when you have negative pricing. I promise you, I've got Nick Barry on that, and we're going to have a huge discussion on that on Monday, talking about what does this mean for companies that are hedged when all of a sudden one of your settlement dates is negative 47 bucks. Something to keep in mind, though, before we move on, the average settlement date for a hedge, this was something that if you're not tapping into the um, Haynes and Boone Weekly Energy Tracker, you really should. Because Matt Marshall on there, who's the uh, strategic, who's a, I think he's a vice president over at 
uh, Aegis, I don't want to, I want to get his title right. What's his, do you, do you remember his title over there, Matt Marshall? Yes, I will tell you here in two seconds. Give me and, and, and so basically what, what, he, what, what he outlined was a really great, was how actually physical oil companies who buy oil, how they actually price it out. And it's an average of the three settlement prices, which basically works out to 121. So every, every settlement is 100, or is one 122nd, excuse me, um, piece of the pie. So this negative pricing only has a small effect on what the actual average over the entire month is when you talk about what the actual rate of exchange is between companies, because they just look at their average over 30 months. What's his title? I don't want to mess it up. I'm getting there. Sorry. Oh, okay. No problem. But basically, you know, I, you know, um, you know, it's a great, um, a weekly thing to sit in on. It's another shameless plug for them. Uh, President of Intercom, Aaron Vanderford, sits in on that, and they give great, great information. But, but that was a really good piece of information. About, and he also brought up some very interesting stuff when it comes to the USO contract, which if you guys are interested in what's going on with the U.S. oil fund, trust me, I'm still trying to put together my, 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 my sort of longer rant on it. I, there's a lot of stuff that I'd love to chat about that, and we're going to have to have that uh, coming up another episode. I just can't find the time to put it in here. Um, so Ian Peace. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We got his title. Yeah. Uh, Matt Marshall. Uh, he is the director and market analyst at Aegis Energy Risk. Uh, very nice. These guys are awesome. And they are in no way associated with this other than I love what they do because they're one of the few companies that have like been a startup hedge company, which they start up and they try to hedge for oil and gas operators. That's what they do. Most of the hedging is done by big, big banks. And we just don't like them because they're big banks. They're agnostic to oil and gas, but they generally get all the business. And what I really like about agencies is they've tried to step in and they've taken a lot of that business from some of the big banks. And it's really awesome to see. So I love their mission. We are more, you are more than welcome to sponsor the show. So give us a call, please. Enter mtanner.com. But so yes, EMPs, you know, we get sidetracked as always. EMPs, if you had three-way callers, you're absolutely toast with this negative pricing. Um, if you're a midstream company, you probably have some supply contracts that you're thinking of breaking. Remember, there are minimum volume commitments that either have to, you know, that as Steven mentioned, they either have to be met or you're in what's called a force majeure, which is a lot, which is, we, we've sort of been hearing that word a lot. So if you're a midstream company, be watching for blo broken supply contracts. This was something that I saw, again, if you're not tapped into ET or EFT Twitter, I would do that because I saw a, a random anonymous account ask, what does this mean for mineral owners? Are mineral owners going to get negative checks? I don't know. That's very interesting. If, I mean, not that you're going to get negative oil, not you're going to get negative mineral checks for a month, but theoretically, if you had negative prices for a whole month, I, you might have some negative checks. I don't know. This is very interesting. You know, it's, it's kind of like Willie Nelson. They're going to come get your farm. Um, if it's a negative royalty check, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty crazy. It is crazy. And, and Stu has an update on when we get to the news decks items on, on what Oklahoma is actually doing to sort of, they've, they've sort of taken into account this and, and have set some regulations. Um, but again, we'll get into that in a little bit. And if you're a trader, sort of for the last two sections, you know, you're either taking inventory of oil or you got a margin call. And I, 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 I've, I know a one specific horror story I, I, I came across my desk yesterday of, of some contracts that had to get dumped. And I mean, you're talking you know, five figures of cash that you're having to on one position loss just because, and it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. So if you're out there trading, please be careful. Um, Cause you, 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 you're either going to get rolled into the next month. If you're trading on these, uh, you know, and that's another thing. This is a, I got, 
this is just another sidebar. You don't know how many people have hit me up this week and asked me, hey, how do I get in on trading this negative price? And I tell everybody the same thing. Don't. Just stay away. Do not spin up a brokerage account to try to trade settlement date negative oil. I promise you, you will, you will blow your account out because something's going to happen that you don't realize. I didn't even play it. I didn't, I avoided it at all costs and I generally get spicy. I love to play expiring options, crude, crude oil options. Those are fun. You don't want to do expiring crude oil futures or options on a settlement date when you've got negative pricing. That is a recipe for disaster. So you've been pre-warned by me. So if you're going to, if you're going to reach out to me and say, how can I get in on this pricing? Please don't. It's, it's a bad idea. We don't give professional advice. But that's my professional advice. Do not do that. I will put my name on that. It's not worth it. Um, so, all right. I think enough with, with – so, so just if you take anything away from that podcast or from that segment, negative pricing, while it's only one day, it really only factors into one 122nd when producers price this in. So it's not as crazy as it sounds. Um, are mineral owners getting negative checks? Who knows? I think moving forward, you just need to look for, I think we'll see one more day. We'll see June, uh, excuse me, May 19th. I think you're going to see negative pricing again as this rolls over. But as we get farther and farther into and demand continues to come back, especially with a lot of the positive news that's coming out about reopening of Georgia's reopening, even though Trump's come out and said he's not necessarily for it. I know Texas is, 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 is continuing to reopen up. So as we see some of this demand start to come back and, you know, I, I've been saying this for weeks now, my thesis is we're going to have a reverse quarantine. I think demand is going to shoot up the moment the economy sort of rolls back into form here just because I think people are so cooped up right now. I've got, you know, someone who almost, you know, one of my friends lives out in California. He says, if you, if you were, if, if you didn't know any better, the virus would have been gone last week because the streets are flooded back with people. Now. So I think they're just getting cooped up and worried. So that's what I'm looking for specifically when it comes to this negative pricing, but I think we should just go ahead and shift gears to our week look back in oil trading. As always, this is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research and they provide all of the levels and all of the really interesting um, 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 oil levels um, for their energy glimpse solution. Rumor has it they're trying to start a energy market newsletter. It's just rumors though. So if you're interested in any and all things energy markets, these are the guys to go through. If you have any questions, you can find them at sandstonecg.com or give them a call at 949-561-1818 extension 101. Remember, tell them the podcast sent you. If you don't tell them you got sent by the podcast, we don't get credit. And that's great. They'll help you out, but we don't get credit. So please, if you do end up hitting them up, let them know the podcast. We really appreciate it. We love our sponsor, by the way. We do. We love all of our sponsors. And we actually really have some big news coming next, you know, Monday. We will have a really big announcement. I'm excited to, 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 to really launch that. Um, we, we're excited to, to partner with somebody and, and, and it's, it's, it's just awesome. So for me, the stories, the one big story that I looked for last week was obviously April 21st was not over contract rollover dates. So we saw negative pricing, but it was also the Texas Railroad Commission decided that they were not decided they were going to vote on proration. And, you know, if you, if you, you turn back the clocks a week, me and Stu predicted two to one vote. We had Ryan Sitton being the lone voice for, we had Wayne Christensen coming out saying no. And we had uh, uh, Commissioner Craddock as the swing vote. Well, we were wrong. Everybody was wrong. If you took a side, yes or no, you were wrong. Cause guess what? They didn't do anything. Classic government. They come together. We make a big stink and nothing happens. Ryan Sitton comes out for Wayne Christensen actually comes out as the swing vote and commissioner Craddock 
comes in as the lone voice to say no. And really what her implications were was that the, le the, the legalities of this, what are the legal, because, and this is what, and, you know, and this is, I don't want to touch too much on this news item Stu's going to, but this really comes into the fact of production requirements for mineral owners who have minerals. If you own minerals, there's generally in that contract, you, you, you require the people who, who are producing those minerals to actually do something with it. They can't just purchase them and not sit on them. If there's oil on your land, you must pull it out or you're allowed to sell the minerals to somebody else. So I think that's a lot of the legal stuff she's getting into. Um, but, but, but really what it comes down to, they, they decided to push this off till May 1st. They're, they're split on it, but, but, but then what came out afterwards, and, and, and I, this is why if you're not on Twitter, please get a Twitter account, OOTT, because Ryan Sitton comes out and lays out seven different things that in order for a 20% production cut in, in Texas to happen, these are what this production cut would fall. Because I think that's what a lot of people are wondering. Well, how would this 20% production cut actually happen? Because it seems like they're actually on the border. You know, if, if, if Wayne Christensen was interested, wasn't interested in cutting production, he would have voted against it. The fact that he's on the table means that there's some movement to it. And so I think that's why you're seeing these seven policies policies being laid out and i want to read them to you right now first what this 20 what, what, what the conditions would be other producing reasons must restrain enough production to eliminate waste great now we got to talk with other government agencies we're just they're just trying to drag this out longer and longer and longer and longer but i the 360 podcast is down to host the webinar so if you need a moderator for this we can step in and definitely help you <laughs> the second item is that cuts should only be temporary I, I, I mean that makes sense number three would only apply to texas producers over 100 a uh, thousand barrels a day that's key so you're really small stripper guys don't have to do this because they actually can't afford to shut in their wells. They make, they, they don't have enough in the bank to actually pay somebody to shut in their wells. That's, I mean, that would be, an, I mean, to think about that's where some of our oil comes from. These small, small, small little stripper guys who own 10 wells in North Texas. I mean, that's the backbone of this country right there. God bless them. But thank goodness they're out and not in this proposal. The fourth item is that this would be across the board by 20% and not by lease. That's key because there are some leases in Texas that produce a large amount of oil. There are other leases that really don't. So being able to do across the board 20% cut is awesome. They're going to start from quarter four 2019 levels, which were the highest levels in 2019. They obviously, they wanted to be reevaluated every month. And the finals, they obviously, they wanted to be flexible. So if they do end up passing this, those are going to be the guidelines that we're looking for Texas Oil Commission to stand by. And... You know, my thoughts on this, I could see, you know, I, I think the reason why they push back is because they really want to, but they don't actually know what the legal, the, the, the legality behind it is. I think they're being advised that while this might actually help, that the, 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 the legal stuff behind it must, has to be too much to overcome because I could totally see North Dakota suing Texas for doing this. I mean, now you're getting into interstate. I mean, I mean, not that they necessarily would, but who knows? I mean, now you're causing litig excess litigation when really demand is going to come back. You know, if it dan demand does come back as quick as I think it is, I don't know if setting a 20% production cut on everybody's good because ConocoPhillips, who's one of the largest producers in, 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 in the Permian, has already cut their production by 30%. That accounts for most of this 20% oil production. It was like three com companies, Diamondback, um, Oxy and ConocoPhillips that were like the three people that were going to lose most in this deal. And they're already shutting in production. So I, I, you know, I'm getting heated now, but I tend to fall more on the free market side. 
And I think they're basically pushing this back because they think this would help, but they don't want to mess with the legalities. Welcome to government. Stu, what's coming on the international news desk for us? Well, uh, Oklahoma, you know, is not inter. Well, it might be international, but they did have it uh, uh, in Cushing. You know, Cushing's got mm. so much storage in there. Uh, they have about 76 million barrel available for storage, and he said it was 100% capacity was contracted. Now, two out of three commissioners voted in favor of the order so that it would allow um, uh, struggling oil producers to halt output without breaking the contracts. That's key. So that was huge. Well, because that's just what we talked about in the, the when, when we talked about um, the force majeure stuff that's happening with these small oil producers. There's some producers and mineral contracts that you have to produce the minerals in order for you to maintain them. But if yeah, you have to shut in your well, if you don't have any storage booked at Cushing, and that's a whole other can of worms. People think, oh, there's still 56 million barrels of storage available at Cushing. Oh, no, it's been booked for months, people. Months. You got to get back at the line, baby. And, and oil is tough to just turn on and off. Exactly. It's the way it works. Um, so also one of the – it mentions uh, uh, Eddie Rogney, an Oklahoma producer who operates 600 mm -hmm. wells – testified that he's losing 200k a month from economically challenged wells that goes back to being able to operate technologically efficient yeah. is even more we've talked to a bunch of folks about that in fact david forsberg knows about a lot of the technology uh we've had a lot of interviews on that subject so um hey on the next one's coming i'm gonna rant you did a great rant by the way Thank you. You're, you're up. I'm going to let you have the floor. Okay, I'm going to rant. Uh, Indian Point nuclear closure uh, is, is already slated and signed by Governor Cuomo to up out of New York State. Mm -hmm. Supplies power. There are two, there's three uh, reactors there, and two, one has already been shut down. The other one is to be targeted to shut off at the end of May. Mm -hmm. They're asking for it to be left open because right now, uh, New York's going to need some power. They're going to burn more fossil mm -hmm. fuel and try to replace that power with uh, oil, LNG, whatever that they LNG they buy from Russia. Why don't they just leave a good, safe reactor that's running for six more months for another year? I don't get it. Do not get that one. The other one. Thanks for letting me rant. By the way, I think I, I, I can I answer that politics. <laughs> I am, politics, I think, is the answer to that. And talk about the irony of New York buying LNG from Russia. I will leave it at that. Okay. Uh, the next article that I found very uh, interesting was, uh, I want to give a shout out to the uh, Financial Standard. They wrote an uh, article on uh, why COVID-19 could boost ESG. You and I have talked about the importance of ESG. Mm -hmm. Intercom is covered over with uh, ESG requests from oil companies. And this article, for, uh, it's on Oil and Gas 360. Mm -hmm. uh, for, and uh, it really takes a stance that it's not optional for oil companies not to have ESG. And COVID-19 is not only going to improve and make that just crazy bad, impossible to get to have it. People are also going to shop for products that are done with ESG at a corporation. 
Well, so. you mentioned on an interview that we actually will be releasing Monday with, you know, and, and I don't know when we'll release the name quite yet, but one of the top ESG people in the industry. And, and on that interview, you mentioned that, that Intercom has been getting requests to add ESG tabs to, your guy, to, the, to the websites of some of your guys' clients as early as this week. Oh, no, it's been going on for quite a while. That's but awesome. The, they're getting covered over in requests. And I, mm. I and there it's unprecedented is what I published out in this. All right, there, there's unprecedented amount of folks saying there's ESG problems out here. And we've gone, we've been saying that for about a year. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, so um, anyway, thanks for letting me rant. I, politics, back to you. No problem. And all we're going to do right now is just shift gears to the levels. Um, so if you do have an opportunity, go ahead and check out uh, my charts. They'll be linked in the show notes, give you a better idea of where I think the levels are. I mean, pivot point for this week, 1650. That's actually what we closed, you know, uh, 1650. That's actually what we closed at, which is ironic because when I originally set that level, oil was trading at about $17. So it's seeing now then at 1650, really evaluates and really occur, uh, really establishes that pivot point. Just a large chunk of volume there. I think you're going to see that be a very sticky level. If you're a bull, um, really on the upside, it'll be very interesting. It's, you know, really your cap is 1793. There's a large chunk of volume in between that 1650 and 1793. The problem is from 1793 all the way up to $21, there's nothing. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. As you know, that was a huge tank level that happened right before the contract rolled over over the weekend. So it was, oil was sitting at about 21 bucks and within a matter of about 15 minutes it dove down all the way to like 11 bucks. And that was before the pricing schemes and all that went negative. So to give you an idea, if you're a bull, you've, you're kind of just throwing darts with a blindfold. I mean, 2103, 2287 are some decent volume levels. Maybe 20, maybe 23, even if you're that high, but really between 18 and 20 bucks, it's, it's thinly populated. It's like the walking dead out there. Um, if you are a bear, I really think there's a lot of different levels you can attack. 1615, I think is your first level on the downside, 1478, 1377 and 1135 really have your big volume chunks. I think 1473 to 13, uh, 77 is probably going to be where oil's going to hang out with. If you're just looking at where volume is now, any news is going to drive this up. And I would be surprised to see oil trading in the mid twenties next week, especially Trump's sort of turned his tone a little bit hawkish, which is interesting to see. And, and maybe he knows something we don't know. But I think when you see these demand numbers come back, I would tend to be a bull this week. I know I've been short oil the past two weeks and that bias has been right. I'm going to go ahead and probably switch it up for the week, but we'll address that on our Monday Look Ahead podcast as we do every single Monday here in the 360 Digital Bell Closing Podcast. When we look at the EIA numbers, I mean, you're talking 19 million DOE crew build. Um, Cushing was up 5.7 million barrels, up to about 55 million barrels. And remember, there's about 91 million barrels of storage at Cushing. So, you know, people are doing the math. Well, there's 35 million barrels available. Why are we worried about storage? It's booked, people. This has been booked for months, years. You, you, you can't buy storage in Cushing right now because Cushing isn't selling it. That's the issue. That number's continuing to go up and up and up. And this is the number that kills me. Domestic oil and gas production. Remember I said last week, it should be four to 500. I said something. It was four to 500,000 barrels. If that doesn't happen, I will be amiss. Well, guess what? It was only 100,000 barrels. It, this is starting to kill me. 
This is really starting to kill me. Oil production, we need to see below 12 million barrels. Right now we're sitting at 12 million, at 12.3. We got to continue to drop that number down. The fact that it only went down 100,000 barrels kills me. I was sitting at, I was, again, doing what I always do, crew trading the EIA uh, DOE drop, 8.30 mountain time. And I got my shorts taken off the first time. I was able to recover a little bit, claw back some of the losses, but I was expecting a much, much bigger crude production decline than really happened. And it's just not what we wanted to see. So um, that kind of moves us into our picks for the week. I'm still waiting around for mine. I played the EIA on Wednesday. Didn't, didn't, didn't do well. But we know Tomcat's killing him. Still, I want you to give an update. How's he doing? His, his portfolio, it looks green. Oh, it is. Uh, he's doing great. Now, he did lose some outside the energy sector, but we're going to leave Tomcat alone on that. Um, on Apache, big time win. Uh, APA, uh, Apache's rated right now as a buy uh, by most of the folks. Let me take a look there. Most of the technicals look like they flipped on it. I, this has nothing to do with where I think Apache is going to be in two years. They're probably going to either be bankrupt or have been acquired by somebody else. But when we talk about our picks for swing trading, I do love be some Apache. It's some low hanging fruit. Bottom feeding is now really turning to getting long is what is what is what the charts are showing. Uh, you bet. He's doing very well in VLO, uh, Valero, uh, okay. XOP. Uh, he's still really got some numbers in, he's out of HLX, but he's got some numbers in PVAC doing really well. So in fact, he's jumped in and out of, I believe, Penn. Um, Penn Virginia Corp's been up. I love it. He's been listening to the 360 digital belt, uh, digital closing belt ticker show. We meant they're, 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 they've been up a lot. Yep. He, he does, by the way. Um, that's why he, he gives us some insight. Uh, let's see here. The other one, I'm doing mediocre. Um, I'm all green today. Uh, Geopark is up 4.21%. Uh, we like that. LNG is up. Uh, SLB is up. OP's and to give up. everyone an example, our EMP Securities aggregate, our XOP contract was only up 3%. So to see Geopark outperforming the rest of the sector is good to see. Yeah, and Schlumberger is one that I'm looking at. Uh, it is up 7.69 percent. Well, they had earnings last. They had earnings last week, and that's another thing we're going to be talking with Nick about as we start rolling into earnings season. Is how a lot of these balance sheets are going to be looking from an you know from a perspective. And you know, if you guys want any information on how earnings look, trust me, Entercom is the place to come for that information. Shameless plug. Another cool. shameless plug. So on my end, like I said, I'm still waiting around for any play. I'm going to be probably long oil for the rest of the week in terms of, you know, not just the rest of the week, but starting Monday, but we'll officially get those picks into you on our next podcast. I just, just know I got my shorts eaten on an EIA play, uh, but I was able to claw some of it back. Um, anything that you got on your plate, Stu, before we let these guys get back to work? We've got some fantastic interviews coming out. We've got some really, really fantastic interviews that have come out. Um, shameless plug, appreciate you as the host. And we got a bunch of stuff coming out. So stop by and sign up for the oil and gas closing bell. We've had phenomenal reading on it. 
we really have and 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 uh it's just been a blast working here and, and hopefully you know we continue to put out the content that you guys like so if you have any questions comments concerns please i'm the most available guy in oil and gas you can find me anywhere i have my emails all over my linkedin page i am definitely not trying to hide from you guys we're going to keep it nice and sweet this morning and let you guys get back to work thank you for checking out the 360 digital closing bell podcast for a weekly look back we will see you guys this afternoon for the digital ticker